You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. You should have some notes when you came in. You can grab those or you can scan the QR code on the bulletin. You can pull it up that way and that'll save us a piece of paper, whatever works for you. We want to talk about this afternoon or this morning here yet why we need each other. Uh, we can have the idea that if I'm financially or relationially, relationshiply independent, I'll be happy. But uh, we're happy when we're interdependent, when we're connected with one another. That's when we're at our best. God designed us to live in community. That was his plan all the way from the beginning. He said when Adam was created, it's not good that man should be alone, and it's not good that we would be alone. And so we need each other for a lot of things. We want to cover some of those things here this morning. Romans chapter 12, 4 and 5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, we're all special, we all have a function, we all have something to do, we all have a part to play, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of His one body, and each of us have different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. So would you look at your neighbor and say, I really need you. Now would you say to that same neighbor, you really need me. And some of you are saying, I don't even know this person. (laughs) That was really awkward. Why did I do that? But uh, you know what? In community, we really do need each other. And uh, I hope that uh, you, you, if you don't know that person, you might get to know them this morning. Well, we need each other for a couple things. One, we need each other because we belong to a family and we want to walk through life together. When you walk with somebody, you have to adjust your pace to walk with them. People will walk at a different pace. They'll walk at a different rate. And I discovered this on Friday. Friday, we were going to go on a date, my wife and I. And so she came out and she said, I got two pair of shoes to wear. I got the flats. I got the heels. Which should I wear? And guys, you can probably guess which one I said. Wear the heels. The heels look great. And so she wore the heels. And so then we're walking down the street and uh, she says, now, Dave, I'm wearing the heels. So, you know, I can't walk that fast. So you got to slow this thing down. Guys, you may want to take note of this. If, you, if, you haven't, if you're not dating or if you are dating or even if you're married, take note. I've discovered something. It took me, a, you, you can learn it quicker than I did. It took me 30 some years to learn this. But actually, women's shoes have a duration. Cheryl, it filled me in. She says, actually, there's half hour shoes. And then there's, <laughs> then you have your three hour shoes. You have all day shoes. And you have, the shoes have a duration. And so what, when you're walking with them, you kind of check it out. Say, okay, that is, now I've got to figure it out. Oh, she's wearing a half hour shoe. or So I know I can walk half an hour. It's good when you're traveling because you, and I travel, I say, you know, let's, let's put on the hour shoe because we've got a lot, of, a lot of miles you cover in the airport. So you, 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 get, you get this, but you've got to walk with each other. And in life, we have to walk with one another. You might be here and say, well, I just prefer to walk alone. I'd rather just walk by myself. That's fine. And, and you guys can walk, but I want to walk at my own pace. There's a problem with that. The problem is you don't learn how to cooperate. You don't learn, learn how to do things with each other. Over 50 times in the New Testament, there's one another's. You can't live as a Christian without one another. There's a list of them there in your notes. It mentions love one another. You can't do that by yourself. Encourage one another. You can't do that on your own. Pray for one another. Accept one another. Bear one another's burdens. Honor one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. And build up one another. That's just a few of them. I decided not to read out all 50 of them. But you get the idea that we are to help one another. You can't do that on your own. It's designed to live in community. Our church began and still today is based on small groups. The strength of the church is not, 
in a gathering just like this, this is part of it. But really the strength of a church is also meeting in small groups together. You can have a church that's pulpit-driven, driven by a personality behind a pulpit. That's not this church. We're not driven by a person behind a pulpit. We're not driven by a building. We're, we're rather driven by people and having a purpose to come together, worship God together, and be connected. This is a great facility, and we're glad to have it. And I believe there's a theology around a building. A building makes a statement. This building, 24-7, makes a statement in downtown Vancouver. If you drive down Georgia Street or Alberni Street, you say, oh, my goodness, there's a strong Christian church in the heart of the city. It speaks. It speaks today with people coming and going. There's a message right here in of itself. However, the building is not the church. We're the church. Somebody once asked their friend, he said, what church do you go to? And he said, what do you mean, what church do I go to? Yeah, what church do you go to? He says, what do you want me to have, an out-of-body experience? I am the church. And so it's a kind of a play on words, but we are the church. And the church always at the headwaters, and even our church at our church headwaters has met in small groups. That's when we really can do life together. So we need each other to walk together, to do life together. You remember the show Cheers? They still do reruns on TV with it. The theme song says, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Really, that describes life group in many ways. They know your name. They're glad you came. They got troubles just like you do. But that's not talking about a life group. That's actually talking about a bar. Chuck Swindle made the observation that the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants us to give His church. It's an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is a permissive, accepting, inclusive fellowship. It's unshockable, it's democratic, you can tell people secrets and they usually don't tell others or want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. And so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. And so while that succeeds a component, God really has the real thing that always has been there in doing small group together. At the end of the picnic last week, there was a group of people that were hanging around, and I weren't sure if they were with us or if they weren't with us. They didn't have name tags. I assumed, well, they probably weren't part of our group. But as I went up to them and was just listening to their conversation, they were saying, yeah, this is a church, and I can't believe a church has food like this and all the people that came, and they look like they're having so much fun. And they were, they were saying, their conversation like, how do we come a part of this? Like, this is pretty cool. They were kind of surprised we could be having that much fun. There was no liquor. There was nothing being smoked in the corners. It was just, it was just an unusual gathering that you could have this much fun in B.C. with any of that. And you don't need it. There's, there's a true sense of love and community and fellowship that you can have, and we do that when we walk together. Walking together has some benefits. Let me give you a couple quickly. One, it's safer to walk together. It's safer to have somebody when you're traveling. It's safer to walk down a back alley with somebody. It's safer to walk through life with somebody. And small groups allow you to do that. There's a verse, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, that says, Two are better than one because if they, have, they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. One of the great things about small groups is we have somebody to help us up. Small groups happen in Alpha. Small groups happen in our homes, in life groups, we call them. And this month, what we're doing is we're emphasizing being better together 
And in October, we're going to have a new plan, a fresh approach again, so more people can get into small groups. We've discovered that we can't keep up. We can literally start a new life group every week at the church. It's not that we don't have the, a need. It's building the systems and the place. And a lot of it is it's not organized as much as it is organic. Because if we just said, okay, you guys in this row, you have to go to this house. You guys on that row, you have to go to that house. That's not going to work very good. It has to be built on friendships, on relationships. And so the best way to do it really is for us to say, hey, come on over. Come to my house or let's go to your house and let's do life together. It's supportive. Not only is it, it does it make it safer, it's also supportive. You get help from others. A newspaper ran a contest for the best definition of a friend. The winning entry among thousands was this. A friend is the one who comes in when the world has gone out. Hopefully we all have some friends like that. When everybody else leaves, they show up. Galatians 2, or 6, 2, and 3 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone in need, you're only fooling yourself. So this, again, happens in our small group where we hear each other's challenges, we pray for each other. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul says, So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hopes that you'll be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. And Paul could say that to the church at Coastal. He says, I know you guys are doing this, but just keep on doing it. I know you have small groups. I know you have life groups, but just keep on doing it. This is one of those, like our newscast team was saying, you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is we keep doing small groups. You never reach a place where we don't need to do that anymore. The church can grow bigger by growing smaller. You keep having small groups to keep growing. We have to be as smart as a goose, you know. Geese are sometimes smarter than people are. Geese go further because they fly together in V formation. They did a study on it. Biologists have done studies on it. They find that the geese can fly 75% further when they fly in V formation than if they fly alone. And we fly further, do more when we're together, when we're supported. They took a draft horse in this fair in the United States, and they were having this competition. One draft horse won, and it pulled 4,500 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Second place winner was 4,000 pounds. But they put the two together, and they pulled 12,000 pounds. I don't know how it works, but there's something about the power of agreement. When we come together, we actually do more. We really are. We really, really are better together when we're together. You know, our enemy would love to get us alone. And if you're a life group leader or you even lead an alpha group or belong to a group, there are days it just feels like, man, there's weird stuff coming up for me to get there. Why is this such so difficult? Because you have an enemy who would want you to be alone. He would love to pull you off by yourself, bombard your mind with negative thoughts, and just get you by yourself. That's his plan. And so sometimes it is a fight to get together, to be together. But that's where our strength is. He'd love to take you out. He'd love to separate you, get you by yourself, a lone sheep that can be attacked. But we're better together. We're supported. We're also smarter when we're together. And that's good. Proverbs 12, 15 says, Fools think they need no advice, but the wise listens to others. And in small groups, we have a great chance to get advice, to talk, to encourage each other. So it's safer. It's supportive, and we're smarter because of it. Why else do we need to get together? Well, to help each other understand God's Word. Romans 15, 14, Paul says, I'm fully convinced, dear brothers and sisters, that you're full of goodness. Isn't that a nice verse? 
He could say that to you guys today. Hey, Coastal Church, beautiful people, I'm fully convinced that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you're able to teach others all about them. One of the things that happens in small groups and life groups is we, we talk about God's Word. And that's the only thing we do. We will sing, we'll laugh, we'll do other things, we, we have activities. If we move, we help that person move, whatever. But one of the things that we do is we take God's Word and we look at it together. In this setting, we can't really have a dialogue. It's not a forum where you could say, oh, I got a question, by the way. Could you answer that question for me? If we all did that, we would be here a long time, and it would get old really quick. It, it just doesn't work. This is a forum where we say, here's God's Word. We deliver it. We listen to it, and we digest some of it here. But really, the best way to digest it is you go back over it with other people and say, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Last week on our Wednesday Night Life group, I was, I was taking notes. It was brilliant what others were sharing in the life group. I was learning from them. We learn from one another. We, and some say, oh, you know, I thought about this, or I was reading this, or, and we add to it, and that's really what makes it stick. It's got to stick. Jesus said, he who hears, remember the, when we talked on the foundation, he said there's two types. Both heard the sayings of Jesus. One did the saying, and one didn't do the saying. And so the one who heard and did built a solid foundation. And here's the key. When you hear the sayings, because you can hear it here this morning, but how do you do it? How do you get it applied to your life? It's much easier to get it applied to your life if you've got a group around you and you're digesting it together. Oh, now I get it. How did you apply it? Here's how I applied it. Here's how it worked. And you go, oh, okay. And it's easier to work it into your life when you have others around you. So we understand God's Word better when we're together. Thirdly, it gives us a chance to pray for one another. Look at James 5, verse 16. It's in your notes. Make this your common practice. Would you say those two words with me? Common practice. One more time. Common practice. So this should not be a rare thing. This should be common practice. Every service, Pastor Cheryl holds up that little card. She says, please write down your prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. That's a common practice in our life groups. At the end of the life group, we say, does anybody have a prayer need? Let's pray for each other. What is it? It's a common practice. James, the pastor there in Jerusalem, said, make it your common practice. Pray for each other. Here's what he says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Well, it makes sense to do that in a small group, right? I really wouldn't want to do it in a setting like this because there's way too many of you. I don't want to air out my laundry here. But in a small setting where I knew you and trusted you, I'd say, you know what? I blew it this week. I should not have reacted that way on the freeway. But when they cut me off, I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. And, uh, and as a result of it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, I need some prayer for my self-control. I'd say it there, but I wouldn't want to say it here. I'd say with trusted people. And let's ask for prayer. He said, make it your common practice to be open. There's health there. That's strength there. In our Wednesday night, when we do freedom sessions, other groups, they do the same thing. So we pray for each other. Not only that, in a setting like this, it'd be really strange if I said, okay, you know, I'd like, uh, Josh, could you please stand up and come lead us in prayer? And Josh, oh, I'm really on the spot. Not sure I want to do that. But in a small group where there's only maybe six, eight, ten people, it's very different. You, you can learn how to pray. Prayer is important, but this isn't the easiest place to learn how to pray. Saturday mornings we pray in small groups. You can pray there. So it's in that small group setting that we learn how to pray for one another. We need each other to help each other learn how to pray. And also, 
it's a great place to share our faith with others. Now, you may, if you're visiting this morning, if I could, I'd give you each a high five. Because it is, it is huge on your first day at a new church to go to. Maybe your friend invited you, which makes it a little easier. But I really respect those people who said, I live downtown, and this has happened many times. I live downtown, I walk to work, I go by your building, and one day I decided, okay, I'm going in. I, today I'm going in. I've been to the website. I checked it out. I'm going to go in. Why are all these people going in and out of that building? I've got to go see for myself. And so you come in, and maybe you had a church experience that was very different. It might have been very traditional. You come in, you go, what? Is this a football game? Like, what is good with the hands in the air? Like, that is... Just... So I remember the first time I went to church, the, the hands in the air... And I just, I really suck mine in my pocket. There's no way you're getting my hands up. And I was like, no way. And I was like, this is so different. But I felt the Spirit of God. There's something different. There's life here. And then after a while, I, I figured it out. Well, they're just as much excited about God as they are about hockey or football. So that's cool. I understood that. But your first time, it really takes a, maybe you've checked it on the website, a friend invited, but there's a certain threshold that first time or even the second time and uh, and so you come but not everybody is that brave it takes a certain amount of courage just to come and to say because when i when i go i ask the same questions you probably ask are there people like me there uh are they the same age same nationality uh will i be accepted how am i treated how long will it be What's going to be expected of me? Are they going to put pressure on me? I think about those things just like you would when you go. And hopefully you have a good experience. You'll find out we're not perfect, but we try to do our best. But not everybody, even with all that, there's some people who just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not so comfortable going to church. For Maybe they had a bad experience or maybe for whatever reason. But they'd go to your house. They'd go to home. I'll go to a house because I know what to do sitting in a a chair with a coffee table and a cup of coffee or, uh, you know, a piece of pie or whatever you do at your house. I, I feel comfortable doing that. And so it's a great place to share our faith. Here's interesting. The church, when it started in the Jewish community, started really in homes. They met in homes and in the synagogue. But the first time it went outside that Jewish community, it went into a Roman community. It went to a Roman guy by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius, here's a cool story. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. So most of the Romans were worshiping other gods, but he got really interested in the God of the Jews, and he began to give toward them. He began to pray really fervently. And one day, he's praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and an angel shows up, and he freaks out like we all would, and he's this Roman soldier, and the angel says, Hey, Cornelius, got good news for you. God's been thinking about you. Your prayers and your giving, he's remembered it. And guess what? Your search for God is over. We're going to send a guy by the name of Peter. He's going to come up and talk to you. You just send a couple of guys down there to Joppa. He was in Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast. Send some guys down there. It's about 30 miles. And you just ask for Peter to come up, and he's going to explain everything to you. And this Cornelius, he's a Roman soldier. He's got a, over 100 men under his command. And he goes, okay, so you two guys and you Roman soldier, head down to Joppa and get Peter. Peter, at the same time, he's in Joppa, and he's now on the upper level of this house, nice view of the Mediterranean Sea, having a great day in prayer, but he's really hungry. It's noon hour, he's praying, but he's hungry, and this sheet comes down from heaven. It's got all these different animals on it, and he hears a voice, Peter, 
kill and eat. Have a, have a barbecue. Eat. And Peter says, no, my Lord, I can't. Uh, this is against Old Testament rituals and laws. I can't eat this. And again, it says, take, eat, take, eat. And he finally says, oh, okay, God, I get the message. God's giving a message. It's a new era. The cross changed things. There's no longer that law in place. God, this is for everybody. It's for the Jew, for the Gentile, for everybody. About that time, Holy Spirit says to him, by the way, there's two guys downstairs and a soldier, and they're looking for you. And the knock comes to the door. He goes downstairs. Here's these two friends of Cornelius and the Roman soldier. I think that wife would have been going of whoever house it was going, why am I having a Roman soldier visit me? Anyhow, they say, is Peter here? Go, yeah, how do you know he was here? Well, Cornelius had an angel visit him. It's a long story. Anyhow, uh, he's supposed to come with us. So the next day they go up to see Cornelius. They come into Caesarea. Caesarea is an amazing, amazing town. It was built by Herod the Great. It had an amphitheater, it had a theater. It was, had great urban designing, okay? They, they were cutting edge of the day. And as they come into that city, they see this. Cornelius is in his house. I don't know what he made that day. It might have been pizza. It might have been pasta. It was Italian, whatever it was. He had something cooking. And he invites all his friends and relatives to his house. This is important because the faith of Christ and that relationship with God was first introduced in a house. Peter comes up, knocks on the door. Cornelius says, Peter! And this Roman soldier, well-trained, brave, disciplined, hardened soldier, but yet had this heart for God, he does something that he would have done for nobody else but Caesar. He gets on his knees, he kneels down, and he begins to worship Peter. And Peter says, get up, please. I am only a man. Stand up. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And he begins to talk to them. And all those friends and family of Cornelius come to faith. Happened in the house. They were comfortable in the house. God still shows up in homes today. So it's a great place to share our faith. And lastly, it's a great place for us to worship together. 1 Corinthians 14.26. Paul writes, so here's what I want you to do. So you could be speaking to Coastal Church this morning, right? Coastal Church, here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you, be prepared. So when you go to a small group, really this is a small group setting because you couldn't do it in a setting like this. It's a small group setting in a house. Be prepared, come prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. If you have been in that and had a life group like that, you know how I would describe it? Moi. It's just so good. You have somebody saying, hey, here's what happened to me this week. Here's what God did. Somebody has an insight. It's life. It's just fantastic. And you worship God together. So good to do life together. We are really better together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 